Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Well, I needed, a, I needed to really put all of these ideas and practices into a single cohesive plan and into, into one place, you know, because Onnit is a great resource with a bunch of articles and a bunch of tools and a bunch of, you know, concepts and we'll put out stuff on social. We have podcasts, but, you know, really that would be distilling thousands of pages of articles and, you know, hundreds of hours of podcasts and trying to come up with what you should do with all that information. And I think that's a big problem with this kind of health and fitness and kind of mindset movement is there's a ton of information, but not very clear, actionable steps on what I should do. And I think the real kind of aha moment was when I really figured out that what you really needed instead of this 30 day or 40 day program, you really just needed to get one day right. Because you needed to be able to taste and feel what these practices when employed together in a single day and all supporting each other, which they do. You know, you can't do anything in in isolation. Everything works together and builds upon, you know, the momentum of those early choices, like put together one day. And, you know, if I could get people to do one day and feel how they felt after that one day, and it's a day that was replicable over and over again, that that could make really lasting change. So when that idea of putting it all into one day uh, merged with my real desire to put all of these you know, pieces of information and practice into one place, that's when the book really uh, took form. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Doing creative work can be kind of lonely, and that's why we built the Unmistakable Listener Tribe. The tribe is a community for professionals to connect and support each other. Everything is designed to help you grow your business and share what's working and what isn't. And that's true whether you're a business owner or an artist. You'll get access to feedback, live conversations with guests, and so much more. By joining the tribe, you become part of a community of creators who all support each other, and it's completely free. Hopefully, I'll see you there. Visit unmistakablecreative.com slash tribe to join. Again, that's unmistakablecreative.com slash tribe. Aubrey, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, so it is really great to have you here. So I was actually introduced to you by way of your book marketing team who sent me a copy of your new book, 
own your day, own your life, which, uh, you know, it was mind blowing and filled with all sorts of insight, which we will get into in a great bit of detail. But before we get there, uh, I want to start by asking you, what did your parents do for a living and what impact did what they did for a living end up having on the choices that you've made with your life and your (laughs) career? Yeah, it's an interesting question because uh, I had, you know, my parents split when I was two years old. So I ended up having four parents and all of them brought a great diversity of career. But the one common factor was that they were all great at what they did. So my mother was a professional tennis player and got as high as number six in the world, lost to Billie Jean King in the semifinals of Wimbledon. So she was an athlete and that was her career path before she met my father. And my father was a commodities trader and one of kind of the pioneers in futures trading and commodities uh, in the U.S. and um, was written about in a book called Market Wizard. And, and is really you know, excellent in his craft there. And then my stepfather was a SWAT team squad leader and like former collegiate wrestler. <clears throat> and my stepmother was uh, the nutraceutical doctor for all of Pat Riley's teams. So the Lakers in the 80s, Knicks in the 90s, Heat in the 2000s, and a bunch of other kind of peak performers. So it was a really diverse group of people that I got to learn from. But, you know, I also more than anything, just got to learn what it would take to be great at anything. And I think that's something that all of them could really teach me in their own, in their own way. So I got to benefit from all of that. I was really, really blessed. So do you mind if we go deeper into specifics uh, about what you learned from each one? I remember the the part about your mom uh, being an amazing tennis player that stood out to me in the book. So I'm curious, what did each one teach you about being great at what you do that you applied later in your life? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I can go through, I can go through and, um, and, talk about each one specifically. I think my mom, um, you know, one of the things that one of the things that she really taught me is that the amount of repetition was necessary for actually making, you know, making progress. She told this one story about how when she wasn't happy with how she was playing in tennis and she's practicing two, three hours a day, she decided I either need to take a complete break and give myself a lot of space and a lot of time, or I need to double my workouts. And that would be like six hours a day. And it was actually that choice to double her output that created, um, you know, her run to Wimbledon and, and some of the best performance that she had in which she realized like, all right, I've been doing as much as everybody else, but if I actually doubled that, then, you know, that might be actually the sweet spot in the right amount. And then, you know, for my father, who was a commodities trader, really, you know, thinking about how to draw correlations from seemingly, um, you know, things that might not, you know, at first blush be related, but that's how he really made a good amount of his, you know, best trades were, were drawing in correlations and ideas from different, uh, from different fields and from different markets. You know, I, I think some of his famous stories are one that I, you know, he saw, um, some activity and Russia was kind of rolling their tanks and getting, mobilized for, for something. And he knew immediately that that would be a destabilizing move for the world. So he bought gold futures and that was one of his best trades. And it was just like having that instinct, like, okay, what does this mean on the world stage and how can I apply that? Um, you know, so something specific, how does that affect the global? I think for my stepdad, it was just really, you know, learning what real kind of physical toughness looked like. I mean, that guy, um, you know, that was, a that was just a lesson in how important that is, how important that, that kind of never quit, you know, 
physical strength and courage and, uh, and how to apply that. And, um, for my stepmom, you know, this was, you know, a real opportunity that actually parlayed into me creating on it just to understand how the input, um, that you put in your body affects the output of your performance. And so, you know, stacks of supplements on test day and game day and, uh, watching her work with other elite performers and myself as well. That gave me this, you know, fundamental understanding of the principles by which I eventually founded on it, mm-hmm. which we will get into. Uh, if I remember correctly from reading the book, you yourself were a high school athlete, correct? If I remember you played on a basketball team. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you learn, uh, that you apply later in your life from basketball? And if I remember correctly, it was at Harvard Westlake. And from what I remember uh, growing up, cause I think it was we actually just Westlake, it Westlake. was just Westlake high in Austin. Yeah. Okay. It was not so in was California. Mistake. Okay. Mistake on my part. Um, what did you learn from coaches and the people that you played with that ended up if, you know, sort of informing your behavior later? Well, I, I learned from my, I learned from my coach that basically, um, a bad coach can ruin the experience of anything that you love, <laughs> you know, and, and really my, my high school basketball coach was, he was one of the most challenging people I've ever had to work with. Um, and, and I think you learn a lot from those type of people as well. You know, someone who motivates through fear and understanding how his constant and incessant utilization of fear and punishment as the only real tools ended up getting the worst performances from his players and his team. You know, like we had some really talented teams and, you know, we had some success, but always that kind of mentality, um, it didn't yield the best result and he would break us down in practice. We would not be our best selves for game day. You know, we had a top 25 ranked national, you know, nationally ranked team and uh, we didn't win a playoff game that year. And even in our you know home state and that's, you know, really due to, you know, in my opinion, you know, some bad coaching principles. So that was really interesting for me to, to learn because I work with a lot of different people and on it's involved. I've been in fight camps. I've been involved in a lot of different ways and seeing, you know, understanding what not to do has kind of showed me the way to do things. And, uh, and that's been really helpful. But then, you know, of course, looking back now, knowing, you know, what I know now, I just think back to my own high school career and, and think I actually did a post on my Instagram recently about it. You know, think back if I would have known what I know now, how much better I would have been. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I had real dreams of being in the NBA. You know, I, I don't have the particularly have the body type for that. But, um, you know, I was a really strong player and I certainly could have been even stronger if I'd have known a fraction of what I know now. Uh, but basketball was great. And, you know, anytime you're on a team, anytime you put in a pressure situation and a leadership role and, you know, forced to make these adaptations and, uh, you know, to bring your best when it counts. I think that's invaluable practice for, uh, life coming up. Yeah. I I mean, I always think that one of my biggest regrets from high school was the fact that I didn't play a team sport. I was in band, but every time I talk to somebody on this podcast who has played a team sport, it seems like it was one of the most invaluable leadership experiences they had throughout their life. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I think, you know, it's, 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 I mean, band can get there too, though, because, you know, it's just, you're a little, your personal performance is a little bit hidden by the group perhaps, you know, whereas like, it's nice to have a team sport where you're together, but also the spotlight is also equally on you, you know? And I think that's, um, that provides that kind of unique pressure. That's really interesting. And, And honestly, something that 
something that I miss, you know, I miss I, cause I have those pressure moments and that'll be, you know, walking on stage for a big keynote or, um, delivering a speech in some regard or some kind of performance, but it's not quite the same as suiting up with your team. And, you know, in some, in some respects, this is like the closest thing that most of us will have to that kind of going to war with your friends kind of feeling like this, these are your, this is your squad and you've been training together. You've been sweating together. You've been bleeding together. And now you, you get to go, um, perform together and, and do it in a, in a safe and constructive way. So it's something I certainly miss, especially, especially doing it where it matters, where there's fans and crowds and emotions involved. And that's where it gets really special. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. 
We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time. And now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. So before we get into on it and the book, I want to ask you one more question. Yeah, Having sure. been raised with this sort of you know bizarre perspective of four different parents, uh, knowing that parents are listening to this, what would you, what advice would you give to parents based on your own upbringing? Well, I think a lot of times people, you know, I hear parents who they they think that the kid needs the parents to stay together no matter what, and that's like the most important thing. But my parents split up when I was two and it's the perhaps the greatest blessing of my entire childhood because not only did I get more incredible influences, I also got to see instead of them, my mom and my dad forcing a relationship that wasn't loving. I got to see two models of really loving relationships where, you know, everybody was happy. And I think kids will mirror what they see. And if they see resentment and unhappiness and discord, you know, they're way more perceptive than we think. And I think if they see that, then they're going to mirror that unhealthiness. Whereas, you know, if you can show them happiness and love, however you want to get it, unconventional, conventional, I think that's a lot more important than, um, you know, just trying to walk this traditional route. Mm -hmm. So walk me through how you get to on it. Uh, what is the path that has led you there? And this is something I've gathered from reading the book. And it, it's something that I, I keep finding as a common theme between the hundreds of people I interview is that the path to getting where they do is almost never linear. So in addition to that, I'm curious why you think that's the case. Like, why is it that most of these paths are never linear? <laughs> yeah, I think it's because, you know, you get to a different vantage point and then from that vantage point, you have different options, but you're kind of blind until you get there. It's like, you know, you're climbing, climbing, and then you break through and then you can actually look around and see, you know, things beyond the tree line. It's like multiple different tree lines that you're trying to get above so that you can see what your own skill set is, what the market is dictating, what you really want, who you really are. You know, there's these kind of moments where you just get more visibility and with that visibility you can really chart your course a little bit better and sometimes you just get um you know some fortunate circumstances that kind of come and, and those aren't gradual those kind of come out of nowhere to a certain degree you know it's uh, a great connection that you made and i think for me it was something of all of that you know i started a an online marketing company after graduating university of richmond and uh, digital marketing and, you know, work with a bunch of different clients and had some success, a ton of failures. Everything I started on my own was a failure. Um, but I had some success for other companies and other clients. And and really, though, ultimately, I, I knew that I wanted to create something myself. You know, I wanted to create not only a company, but a movement. I wanted to create something that reflected what I felt inside, like what I felt like I had to give to the world. And so started and found on it, but I founded it under kind of the pretense that I had to be really unique and really niche and create something that was like, um, you know, not just something that was like a, a whole new category. And I think that was an idea that I, that I had to shake myself out of. And when I set my sights to creating alpha brain, alpha brain wasn't the first cognitive enhancing supplement, but I really set my sights on making it the best. And, you know, so there was a differentiation between that. And, um, 
I think that was, that was kind of like a key distinction for me is that I didn't have to make the first in kind that I could take something that existed and make it better. And, uh, and that was, that's really what we did with alpha brain. And, um, I think that kind of set me up with on it, but that was also made possible because of uh, a connection that I cultivated with Joe Rogan, who's, um, you know, one of the business partners in on it. And, you know, that was a huge, you know, huge asymmetrical, um, you know, advancement in what was going to make on it possible because he could talk about these things that we were creating and that would get the word out in, uh, in a way that was a lot more efficient than, you know, paid ads and, and doing it, the slow, you know, grassroots scale, scale up kind of way. The quality of your sleep is one of those things that impacts nearly every area of your life, from your emotional well-being to your ability to focus to your creativity. After more than a year of sleeping on it, I think the Casper mattress is hands down one of the best investments I've ever made in the quality of my sleep. Even after sleeping on a bed in the nicest of hotels, I always look forward to sleeping on my Casper mattress because it's made that much of a difference. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. The prices are a Affordable because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. It's hassle-free to return, and they offer free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash unmistakable and use the promo code unmistakable. Again, that's casper.com slash unmistakable and use the promo code unmistakable. Terms and conditions may apply. So one last question about this. You mentioned that everything you had done by yourself had failed up until that point, and yet you still did it. What do you think caused you to make that shift? Well, you know, fail is, fail is a funny word, you know, and a fail is like, uh, I think if you do something to the point that it fails, then you always learn. So it's not a failure. Like the only time that you actually, I think, really fail is if you don't give it enough effort to really know if it fails or succeeds, right. you know, where you kind of get in this middle ground. Well, well, maybe it would have worked. Maybe it didn't. I didn't try hard enough. I kind of abandoned it. You know what I mean? Like, well, maybe that art piece would have sold if I would have finished it, or maybe I could have sold that screenplay, but I didn't finish it. Or maybe I could have, you don't want any maybes. A maybe is a failure, but actual failure, like full rejection or full failure, like you fund a company and it goes to zero, you work with a company and it goes bankrupt, you know, like you learn something valuable from all of that and you have no regrets, you know, like even if you made mistakes, you don't really regret the mistakes because you, you know, you, you didn't know better, you learned, but what you will regret is just, man, I really wish I would have tried that. You know, I had that idea. I never did it. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the things that I think we have to avoid. Well, I think that makes a really perfect segue to actually talking about the ideas in the book. But first, what planted the seed for this book of all the books you could possibly write? Well, I needed to, I needed to really put all of these ideas and practices into a single cohesive plan and into, into one place, you know, cause on it is a great resource with a bunch of articles and a bunch of tools and a bunch of, you know, concepts and we'll put out stuff on social. We have podcasts, but you know, really that would be distilling thousands of pages of articles and, you know, hundreds of hours of podcasts and trying to come up with 
what you should do with all that information. And I think that's a big problem with this kind of health and fitness and kind of mindset movement is there's a ton of information, but not very clear, actionable steps on what I should do. And I think the real kind of aha moment was when I really figured out that what you really needed instead of this 30 day or 40 day program, you really just needed to get one day right because you needed to be able to taste and feel what these practices when employed together in a single day and all supporting each other, which they do. You know, you can't do anything in in isolation. Everything works together and builds upon, you know, the momentum of those early choices, like put together one day. And, you know, if I could get people to do one day and feel how they felt after that one day, and it's a day that was replicable over and over again, that that could make really lasting change. So when that idea of putting it all into one day um, merged with my real desire to put all of these you know, pieces of information and practice into one place, that's when the book really uh, took form. Yeah. You know, it, this line in particular was, was one that struck me. And I feel like it, it kind of is one of the main theses of the book, just based on what you told me. You said that small things have big consequences. Over time, those consequences compound. We are the accumulated momentum of all of our choices. Some of those choices are binary. Go to the gym or not. The choice in that moment is going to change your day. Over time, that choice will change your life. We tend to ignore the importance of fractional benefit because we lose sight of the concept of the tipping point, the little benefit that tips the cup of release a flood of you know uh many benefits it mm-hmm. may be a two percent difference in force or momentum that flips the coin from heads to tails or yes to no and yeah I, that that was of all the things that were in this book that stood out to me the most and it kind of makes a perfect segue to start talking about sort of how you have one of these what seemingly is uh, an epic sort of day but I, I guess the first question for me before we get into specifics is is every day of your life like this like do you literally wake up <laughs> and do all these things or are you prone to like all the same shit that rest of us are like you know do you get on facebook and dick around for 20 minutes for no reason do you have days when you eat something that isn't good for you i had to ask just because when i read the book i was like <laughs> this guy is a machine i like <laughs> I, I can't help but wonder, you know, is this actually happening every single day or are there days when you slip? You know, uh, the slip is built into the book. You know, if you read my chapter on, you know, chapter 12, we're talking about how to deal with excessive alcohol consumption. We're talking about how to deal with excessive sugar consumption. You know, the idea is moderation in all things, including moderation. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm I'm way too way too self-aware to know <laughs> that I'm <laughs> to know that I'm not going to be able to follow a strict plan the whole time. And and I think that's part of this. It's part of the thesis and part of what the differentiator for this book is. So do I do everything every day? No, absolutely not. You know, do I do most of the things most of the time? Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. And, and the more I can do, the better I feel. And I think that's also another key point. It's not like you have to be owning the day or not owning the day. Like, as I always say, you can be midway through eating your chocolate molten cake and push the plate away and say enough. And that's a win. Like, that's a win. Like, don't think, oh, I'm eating the chocolate molten cake. Might as well finish it and just get full <laughs> gluttonous and then go home. And like, you know, like everybody has this idea that you need to start clean and start fresh. And yeah. and then, then from that point forward, you know, I'll, I'll clean up my act and I'll do things right. Like, no, at every single point, you can salvage a little bit of a win uh, from from making a slightly better choice. So, you know, that's just what I try to keep in mind is just to try to make the best choice available at all different times and not 
you know, not be so strict that like I'm on or off. Like this is a full full-time process. Yeah. Well, let's get into the start of the day. I think uh, I want to talk about mornings. Uh, one, because mornings for me are incredibly precious. I, I know that my first three hours of the day are worth more than the entire rest of the day combined. So I want to talk about one, you know, sort of food and the impact on, on what we eat early in the morning, the impact that sleep has early in the morning, uh, as well as dealing with attention. Because uh, I'm just curious, you know, when you start, how, how do we start our day in a way that actually leads to a productive day, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, you got you to gotta handle a couple, a couple key things that are going on biologically. For one, while you're sleeping, your body is a very moist environment and it's moister than the air outside. So by breathing the water vapors out of your system and breathing in drier air, you're going to lose a pound, pound and a half of water. And that's almost enough to start mild case of dehydration right off the bat when you're woken up. And that's going to lead to lead to irritability, lack of focus, and a, and a whole host of different things that'll start to accumulate if you don't combat that mild dehydration that you're feeling first thing in the morning. So I recommend 12 to 16 ounces of room temperature spring water, about three grams of sea salt or Himalayan salt, and uh, a splash of lemon, which offers some bioflavonoids. The salt offers uh, electrolytes that are actually going to start to fuel a lot of your organ systems and um, you know actually replenish and rehydrate you, not just with the water, but with the minerals minerals themselves, which is incredibly important and, uh, and hit that first thing. And that's going to start to rehydrate you and buffer you against any issues that you might have with dehydration. So what you don't want to do is drink that coffee before you drink your water. Mm. Um, you know, coffee first thing, it's going to jack your adrenals up. It's going to overcome your initial sleepiness, but it's not the right way to do it because it's using like basically hitting the turbo button. The first thing you do when you wake up, you want to save that turbo button for when you need it and use the natural forces that'll help you wake up. And so some of those natural forces involve the circadian rhythm. It's what's telling the body that it's awake. And those things are light and movement. So get out in the sunlight if you can, if it's possible, and expose as much skin as possible to the sun. Um, there's photoreceptors in your eyes. There's photoreceptors in your ears. Your skin actually can absorb some of the sunlight, of course, that's what creates vitamin D. Um, and that'll start to wake you up. And then any kind of light movement, whether that's a little yoga or a couple of burpees or some push-ups or anything to kind of get the body moving, that'll also signal that it's time to be awake. And that's not only going to make you feel more alert in the morning, that's going to make you feel more alert throughout the entire day. Like you'll see that benefit from setting your circadian rhythm all the way to when you go to sleep and you'll actually start to produce the right amount of melatonin and start to be able to fall asleep with more regularity because you're more in balance with uh, the wake sleep cycle of the human organism. Mm -hmm. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. What about food uh, in terms of what you consume for breakfast? What impact does that have? How do you optimize that? Like, what is the ideal way to yeah. eat breakfast? Well, the key thing with breakfast is you don't want to start this blood this blood sugar roller coaster right off the bat. So, you know, blood sugar roller coaster. What I mean by that is any time that you're going to have a carbohydrate, especially a simple carbohydrate like refined starch or like white bread or donuts or pastries or any of that bullshit um, or sugar you know, that's another simple carbohydrate that's going to raise your blood sugar really fast, which is going to feel good for a minute on the rise, which is one of the reasons why we crave it. And then, but then immediately the body's going to release a bunch of insulin whose job it is to scuttle all of that blood sugar back into the cells and back into the liver. And it, when you, when you have a really fast rise in your blood sugar, the body doesn't know how much is coming into your system, so it releases a bunch of insulin. And so that's actually going to crater your blood sugar from all of that insulin. And that's then going to make you feel tired and irritable And when your blood sugar gets low. And so what are you going to do then? You're going to reach for more sugar and more caffeine. And you start playing this game of metabolic ping pong right off the bat. It's like basically imagine you have like a little piece of bendy metal and you're just bending it over and over again and you're just going to get metabolically weaker and weaker you're going to get resistant to your insulin and you're just going to get more tired more irritable you know weight management is going to become a real issue so avoiding that metabolic ping pong and staying away from any kind of simple carbohydrate especially early in the day is going to be incredibly valuable so what does that mean that means eating foods that are high in fat high in fiber 
and high in protein and very, very low in carbohydrate. And that's going to help you sustain energy through the more productive parts of your day. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that makes a really nice segue to talking about uh, something that I know you've spent an entire chapter on, which is this role that plants play in our ability to do a whole host of different things from cognitive capabilities to energy to attention management. Could you give us kind of an overview of the various plants and the impacts that they've had? And I know there was one in particular you mentioned that people in the NFL are using as a performance enhancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there's three, there's three plants that I think we all need to be well-versed with, not, not need to, but we all can be that are really powerful plants that can be extremely helpful for us. So, uh, especially when you're talking productivity and, and really getting the most out of what you're capable of. The first one, People are pretty well versed and that's caffeine. Mm -hmm. And I think the the best way, the best form of caffeine is matcha green tea. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, um, it has a lot of antioxidants and other additional nutrients that you're getting the benefit of. And two, it contains the amino acid L-theanine, which works to kind of counterbalance some of the more negative effects of caffeine, like the anxiety and jitteriness, and focuses you into a more alpha flow state, which is really what you're looking for from caffeine. So any type of green tea has it. Matcha just has more of it. So uh, all of this whole matcha craze that exists right now. It's there for a reason. Matcha is legit. And then anytime you're drinking caffeine, you want to blend it with fat. And so, you know, whether that's full cream or whether that's butter, whether that's MCT oil or whether it's coconut butter, or coconut oil, however you can, however you can add fats to your caffeine, that's going to slow down the absorption of the caffeine. So it's going to give this more time release effect so that it'll sustain you for longer um, rather than just going in your system, spiking up uh, those hormones and then dropping you and cratering you out of the bottom of it. So blending your fats, uh, blending your caffeine and your fats is really important because fat acts as this kind of rate limiting factor on digestion. So, um, the, you know, fat requires bile from the gallbladder to actually break down in the stomach. And that's a, a rate limited factor. So, you know, the more fat you have, the slower it goes through your system. Uh, so that's a really important tip concerning that. And then the next one is actually probably um, my uh, one of the more controversial parts of the book, and that's the utilization of nicotine. Mm. And so a couple caveats here with nicotine. For one, cigarettes will absolutely kill you. Like there's no <laughs> question about it. Like there's no no reason. And, and when you look at the cost benefit of a cigarette, it's way out of proportion, way out of line. Don't do it under any circumstances. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's look at actually nicotine itself and tobacco itself. Now, if you look at some studies by the Royal London College of Physicians, they're saying that smokeless tobacco and other forms of tobacco are anywhere from 10 to 10,000 times less dangerous than smoking a cigarette. So you start to get a lot less danger as far as the health of the health risk. And, you know, that's not to say that there isn't some health risk with smoking a cigar or um, vaping or doing uh, smokeless tobacco. There are there is some health cost, but you can also then start weighing that against the benefits of nicotine, which there's a ton of clinical research on. Again, for finding that deep focus. And for me, when I use, I use a smokeless form of tobacco called SNUS, S-N-U-S. And it's been one of the probably biggest performance enhancers and life enhancers that I've encountered. And it's only been recently in the last, uh, in the last year or so, actually about two years since I started writing the book, maybe two years since I started writing the book and doing the research. 
because it drops me into this really deep, heavy focus. And I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, baseball players like it and, uh, you know, top performers in the military, top operators in the military like it, special forces like it. It's this heavy, it's a really kind of heavy focus that kind of drops the whole world away and allows you to narrow down. And it's quite, it's quite a pleasant feeling and quite a valuable feeling as well. And also when I'm thinking about complex problems, it really kind of forms this connection for me um, to help understand that when I'm writing, when I'm doing different things. So nicotine can be a great ally. You just have to get it in the system as um, least dangerously as possible. So that means cigarettes never. And that means looking at smokeless options. And if you really want to be a full biohacker, then you would use like a patch like they use for smoking cessation, mm-hmm. but actually to get the nicotine in your system. Now, the other caveat with nicotine is that it can be addictive. So you have to make sure to give your body plenty of time to break and wash out and make sure that you're in control and that the nicotine isn't in control. And it's not, you know, driving you to take it every day that you're utilizing it occasionally whenever you need to uh, as a performance benefit. And then the third plant is uh, a less common plant, and it's called Huperzia serrata. And this was the plant that really was, you know, the basis and what I built the alpha brain formula around because it's a directly enhances one of the most important neurotransmitters in the brain, which is acetylcholine. And acetylcholine is responsible for mental speed, focus, sharpness, um, memory. They're using it in a lot of clinical trials, reviewing, you know, all kinds of age related cognitive decline, all kinds of different things. It has a ton of research out there, uh, but we really wanted to utilize it to help healthy people perform better. And so we built our formula around this herb called Huberzia serrata and created alpha brain, then put it through two rounds of double blind randomized clinical trials with the Boston center for memory, which is one of the top institutes in the world for testing cognitive drugs. Really, they don't do a lot of supplements, mostly drugs. Um, and we showed statistically significant benefit in a healthy patient population for memory focus, processing speed, particularly short-term memory. So like remembering those names and places and having that verbal recall, you know, telling a story and be able to access all the different data points that you need to actually pull it together. Um, you know, I use it before every podcast. I use it anytime that I need to be, you know, a speech, anytime that I need to actually be on point. And a lot of athletes use it as well. Uh, cause there's some additional ancillary benefit again, as I said, for processing speed, you know, the ability to you know, just have that kind of mental sharpness and focus. Um, and, you know, fighters have used it to help kind of synthesize those commands they're hearing from their corner and, and draw those into action even faster. It just kind of collapses the gap between uh, external sim- stimulus and internal process. Uh, but mostly it's used for focus and memory. And that's what really people um, people talk about. And it has no other stimulants in it. So, it's not mutually excu- exclusive. You can have your coffee and you can have your alpha brain, uh, but it's a really unique feeling because um, it's focused specifically on that neurotransmitter acetylcholine, um, which is something that, you know, is not the easiest thing to modulate uh, just naturally. So this is a, a great solution for that. And so I think if you have all of those tools available from caffeine, nicotine and um, Huperzia serrata, which is, you know, you can get from alpha brain, you can get it on, on its own as well. Um, you're really well equipped to kick some serious ass. 
So one question that I had, uh, and I'm guessing probably, I mean, you made subtle reference to it, is uh, what is the, the difference that you have found uh, you know, or your research has found between you know, cognitive enhancers or stimulants like modafinil or Ritalin or any of these things and uh, you know, Hoparzia serrata? Well, anybody who's taken any of these other pharmaceutical um, cognitive enhancers, they'll recognize how stimulating they are. I mean, it's really, if you look at Adderall, mm. for example, it's, it's one molecule away from a straight methamphetamine. And, you know, for me, I take one of those, I'm up for two days and it's, it's hell, I'm truly. And I'm, I'm particularly sensitive to stimulants. Mm. And so some people who are less sensitive, you know, they can, that can be pleasurable, but um, it's a very intense, stimulating drug. And I think that's, it's a, it's crazy to me that we give those to kids because it's basically like giving speed to kids. Um, but nonetheless, like it can have, you know, it obviously can have its benefit, but it has its cost and anything that's that much of a stimulant is going to have some significant tax on the body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something like alpha brain is not a stimulant. It doesn't have it's not a classic stimulant. It's actually elevating your neurotransmitters, which is like the, the food for your cognitive processing. And, you know, that's just a completely different mechanism of action. And I think, you know, not having that strong stimulant background then allows you to add a stimulant like caffeine or something like that, that you can really control rather than using this very kind of hard drug model of, uh, of getting there. Mm-hmm. One other area that I kind of wanted to explore with you uh, in a bit more depth. I know you don't give a ton of attention to this in the book is is uh, psychedelics and microdosing mm-hmm. and what your own research has shown about all of this. I mean, I started experimenting with psychedelic, uh, you know, microdosing mushrooms uh, probably about three four months ago because a friend I had met in this like week long therapy thing had said it had gotten him off of all of his antidepressants and you know after doing it for about three months I noticed you know pretty significant drops in my overall level of anxiety, like my tendency to react to things, things that would upset me in the past don't anymore. Uh, so I'm just wondering what your own research and experience has shown uh, about psychedelics and microdosing. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, one of the most interesting, you know, burgeoning fields of, of research. And honestly, there hasn't been a ton of research on microdosing because principally um, they've been focused on the larger scale clinical trials. So for the psilocybin trials, it's been end of life anxiety and depression. And there's been amazing work done by Hefter and USONA gone all the way through phase two, showing that uh, dramatic cure rates of up to 80 percent for people for a single session of psilocybin uh, psychotherapy. So really powerful results in larger scale, you know, small you know, small term clinical trial, like kind of structures there, but not a lot of research on the microdosing, but a lot of people who are trying it and a lot of amazing success anecdotally coming from those people trying it. And I know, you know, literally dozens, um, you know, I've tried it myself on occasion. It's not something that I particularly do Mm. frequently, but I can recognize the benefit. Um, but you know, I think really what you're doing, especially with something like psilocybin is you're, rerouting actually the blood flow of your brain. So you're putting the priority of the blood flow in your brain to the areas that are going to, you know, less blood flow to those areas that actually cause 
and are the source of your anxiety and depression and more blood flow to those areas that actually involve kind of some of the higher thinking, more creative thought processes. So you're, you really, it seems like a magical, mystical thing, and it, it is to a certain degree. But then when you get down to that kind of materialist, reductionist, you know, viewpoint, vantage point into the body, what you're really doing is you're just emphasizing with that kind of blood flow and circulation, some of the higher thinking parts of your brain and de-emphasizing some of those fear-based, you know, systems in your brain that are kind of creating these negative patterns. Uh, so, so that it makes a lot of sense that if you continue that kind of, you know, continue that kind of, um, emphasizing the positive and de-emphasizing the negative aspects, you're going to have a long-term benefit that could yield, you know, the ability to change your, um, pharmaceutical regimen and just change your entire outlook on life. So, you know, I think that makes a, a whole hell of a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about, uh, what happens when you actually sit down to work, when you get in front of a computer, I mean, how do you set up your environment? How do you, how do you go about managing your day when you sit down to work? Like what happens after you've gone through this morning routine that we've just talked about? Well, you know, one thing I've really learned to practice is a skill I call mental override, and that's the ability to do what I need to do, even if I don't want to do it. And I practice that first thing in the morning with my cold shower. You know, when I when I'm up in the morning, I take my shower before I, you know, after I drink my water and get my light and movement, I typically take a shower in the morning and it's turning that shower nozzle cold. And that used to be something that was particularly challenging. It's just kind of routine at this point. Um, but it's that moment of turning that shower nozzle cold where you're realizing you're doing something you don't want to do because you know it's going to have benefit. It's going to, you know, reduce inflammation. It's going to reduce overall cortisol and stress levels. It's going to help build those uh, cold shock proteins that are going to help with longevity. It's going to just shift your state. But more importantly than that, it's going to prove to yourself that you can do that thing you know you should, even when you don't want to do it. And I think that's the most important thing for me with work, because there's always that thing that we know we should do, but we'll put it off. And I just try to give myself less and less room not to do those things. So ideally, I have a really clean environment because I think a clean physical environment helps to create a clean mental environment for me. But nonetheless, even if I don't, I have the ability to mentally override. And if I have to write a poem or even write a book, like a lot of those things, you kind of want to wait for inspiration, but a lot of times you don't have the opportunity to wait for inspiration. So I have the ability to kind of flip that lever and say, all right, I'm just doing this thing now. Maybe, maybe the place is a mess. Maybe nothing is going right. Maybe this isn't the right time, but I'm going to do this thing because I need to do it. And uh, I think that skill is probably the most important skill. Mm. Uh, let's talk briefly about sleep, because I think that really kind of takes us into the end of the day. I mean, we've talked quite a bit about food. We've talked about, you know, the biology of dealing with things. Let's talk about sleep and kind of how we set ourselves up for a good night's sleep. Because I, in my personal experience, I found that I had to make a lot of very conscious changes to improve the quality of my sleep. Well, I think. To me, you know, the point I make in the book is one of the biggest changes we can make about sleep is our idea that we have to do it in a single shot. Mm. You know, I think that um, when you look at the research on the benefits of naps, you know, naps outperform more overnight sleep and outperform coffee in mental alertness, you know, focus, the ability to perform. And but somehow, you know, we got this idea that naps are for lazy people or that we shouldn't do it. And, you know, that if you're crushing it, you don't need to take a nap. Well, 
that's crazy talk, you know, and, and I think a lot of us have issues sleeping a full, you know, seven, eight hours in a stretch. And so bringing the nap back in, even if it's just a 30 minute nap, what Nick Littlehill in his book sleep calls a controlled recovery period can be vastly beneficial. So looking at the ability like, all right, first things first, you know, don't think you have to get all of your sleep in the night at the same time, carve out the space to take a nap. And then additionally, look at sleep in terms of sleep cycles instead of just, you know, blocks and hours of sleep. So a sleep cycle is about an hour and a half. And then know that you can catch up on sleep too. So take some of the pressure off sleep because I think one of the reasons that sleep, it becomes hard, you know, just like sex, when you put too much pressure on yourself, then it makes it harder. You know, you're asking for a you know, largely unconscious processes to happen. You're asking for your mind to shut down from beta mode into theta and delta mode, which is down regulating. So it's, a, it's the opposite of doing, you know, so in order to do that, you don't want to put a lot of anxiety and pressure on yourself to fall asleep because that's just going to make things worse. Um, and that's going to keep you in that fear-based beta state of, of processing. So, you know, taking the pressure off and realizing, all right, if I get you know, my goal is to get 30 to 35 sleep cycles a week. So four to five sleep cycles a day, but I, I have flexibility there. So if I only sleep four and a half hours, all right, that's three sleep cycles. I can take a nap, which counts as one sleep cycle. That brings me to four. And then I'm almost on par for the day. And then I can just pick up maybe an extra two the next day. Maybe I'll sleep six hours, get four cycles, take a nap, get five. And then I'm right back on track and I can start to make up for some of these, these issues that I have. So those are key things that I really wanted to focus on in the book. And then the other stuff is a lot of stuff that you can find elsewhere that's really smart, like limiting the amount of blue light exposure that you have before you go to bed, uh, removing electronics, making sure that your bedroom is ideally suited, maybe has some house plants for oxygen, um, you know, has really blacked out curtains to keep it quiet and dark and that the temperature is nice and cool. And, um, you know, there's definitely some tips like that. I take some calcium and magnesium, uh, before I go to bed, which are some minerals that help me relax and help, uh, help my body stay relaxed while I sleep. So there's some tips like that, but I think the biggest, fastest improvement you can get to sleep is just take some naps and change how you think about sleep from hours to hours in a day to sleep cycles in a week. Mm -hmm. So I want to finish by talking about actual implementation of these things, because I know if uh, my first instinct right after I finished reading the book was, okay, I need to go and do all of these things on day one. <laughs> and I'm just, because you, you, you get to the end of it and you're like, well, that sounds fucking amazing. I want to be like that. <laughs> and then you kind of realize, okay, this is not totally realistic. So I am curious if you could kind of, you know, give people a, a framework for how to actually implement these things without losing their minds. Well, really, none of the things that I'm asking for are hard. Mm -hmm. Like not one, not, not anything on its own is hard. I mean, everything, there's nothing in there. I'm not saying like you have to do this crazy workout or do this super intense thing, you know? So I think really just piecing it out and taking it one step at a time and just having your plan and saying like, all right, is this next thing hard? No, that next thing isn't hard. Is it hard to drink that water with the salt and the lemon? No, it's not. Is it hard to get a little bit of light? Five minutes, 10 minutes of light? No, I can schedule that in. Is it, is it hard to move around? Okay, no, it's not. Is it hard when I'm taking a shower to take 30 deep breaths and turn the shower nozzle cold? Yeah, it's a little bit hard, you know, mentally, but it's actually not hard physically. You know, you just have to actually do it, you know, but it's just, it's not going to hurt you. You know, it's not anything that's 
challenging, particularly. It's just hard to get your mind in the right place, but I can do that. All right, for breakfast. Okay, well, you know, I can't eat the pancakes, but I can have some avocado and some eggs and some bacon and some bone broth and make a dope smoothie. Okay, I can do that. You know, and then the next thing is like, all right, there's a couple supplements I should look at. All right, maybe I'll look at those. Maybe I can get them naturally, though. Maybe I can get vitamin D from the sun. I'll just eat more greens or green juice. And so there's different options there. And then, you know, when I'm in the car, can I turn on a podcast instead of listening to the radio? Yep, I can do that. Can I be aware of the type of plants that are available? Yep, I can do that. You know, can I you know be efficient in the workplace? All right. You know, here's some principles. I can work on that. Then for lunch, you know, can I eat a diverse, you know, diverse micronutrient rich anti-nutrient avoiding lunch. Yeah, I can, I can figure that out. I can have a big ass salad and do something, you know, that can I take a nap? Sure. Can I get a little movement in some kind of exercise where I'm working on my body? Yep. I can do that. You know, can I connect with myself and my family when I get home? Yeah, I can do that. Can I enjoy myself at dinner and like create the space to really enjoy dinner and, and, you know, set an intention to, to have that moment where, you get to bend the rules a little bit and have some carbohydrate and really enjoy yourself. Sure. I can do that. Can I have sex? Yep. I can do that. You know, can I write down a very quick single page journal of my mission and the three objectives before I go to bed? So I know what I have to do the next day. Yep. I can do that. You know, can I limit some of the blue lights and kind of pare myself down for sleep? Totally. I can do that. And then in the final, and that's, that's the day, right? Like I just went through the entire day, all 15 chapters. Sure. And none of that was, none of that was hard. It's just like, it's just people think that it's hard, but as if you take it one step at a time, like you really can get all of this shit into a day because it's a day that's, you know, that makes sense. You know, I include the space where you have a glass of red wine, you know, I include the space where on this particular day you have the cake, you know, like. It's cool. Like this is a day that's flexible, but all of the principles you can largely get there. And then, of course, in the final chapter, that's a, a big key part. You can get there if you feel like you deserve to get there. And that's a key thing is like you have to know that you deserve to change and that you want to change and that you're willing that you're willing to do that. And, and part of that is just forgiving yourself, forgiving yourself for not having changed in the past, you know, forgiving yourself. Because I think part of us don't want to believe that it's this easy. Because if we believe that it's this easy, then we'll punish ourselves for not doing it sooner. Well, don't worry about that. All you have is now. You don't worry about punishing yourself for the past. Like that's crazy, self-defeating, you know, kind of mentality. So just take what you have now. Take this newfound information. Take this newfound inspiration, and do your best from this point forward with absolute forgiveness of everything that's happened in the past. And you'll be shocked at how much you can get done. Wow. Uh, well, I think that makes a, a really sort of fitting end to our conversation. So I have one last question for you, which is how we finish all of our interviews, the unmistakable creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? We're all unmistakable already. And it's just a matter of not trying to be an approximate or second rate version of somebody else, but being authentically who you are, because you are completely unmistakable, completely unique, and nobody can be you as well as you can be you. But, you know, if you try to be Gary Vee or if you try to be Tim Ferriss, you're just going to be a second rate poor version of Gary Vee and a second rate poor version of Tim Ferriss. And then nobody's going to be the best rate version of you. You know, that that opportunity you have to be the number one, very best, singularly best version of yourself. Like you're the only one who can do that thing. 
So just focus on that. And if everybody focuses on that, the world will be filled with all these unmistakable people and characters and ideas. And, and that's what's really beautiful. Awesome. Well, I think that makes a really poetic end to our conversation. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your work? Yeah, definitely check me out on Instagram at Aubrey Marcus. Uh, my podcast is the Aubrey Marcus podcast. And of course, the book, um, you know, you can check out the website, Own the Day Book, or just look me up on Amazon or Audible. I read the audiobook myself. So a lot of people have been enjoying that. Uh, what's one of the top books on Audible? And of course, it's a New York Times bestselling book, too. So getting a lot of love there. And I hope people, you know, are interested and uh, want to keep following. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. 
This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.